And then at the end of the episode, Jerry would break it down, uh, revealing like the true lesson that we should have learned. But really, what were we really there for? The fights. Yeah. The watch the chairs being thrown. <laughs> Absolutely. And if a chair was not thrown within a few minutes, you knew it was not a particularly good episode. <laughs> but they were usually thrown. What's up, everybody? This is Sarah, your host of Talk to the Hand podcast, a podcast about the 90s, everything you love about the 90s and more. Hello, everybody. How are you, 90s kids? We are getting our way through December. We're almost to the end of 2020. And this week, I am joined by my lovely friend and fellow podcaster, Derek. Hi, Derek. Hi, Sarah. How are you? Good. How are you, my friend? Why don't you introduce yourself and tell us about tell us about yourself? I'm doing great. So my name is Derek. And as you know, Sarah, I have a huge love for all things 90s. Yes. I was born in 85, so went yes. through the whole 90s, experienced it all. Been wanting to do this with you for a while. I love what I've heard so far. You cover a lot of fun topics. And I'm doing a podcast myself with two of my friends. Yes. The podcast is called The 3 a.m. Mystery Club. We're currently on iTunes, Podbean, and Spotify, and we are covering cold case crimes uh, from the 1900s through the early 2000s. It's two of my friends and I, and we just get together and discuss um, true crime cases that intrigue and terrify us. I love that so much. So that's the 3 a.m. Mystery Club. Correct. And are you on Instagram? I am on Instagram. Um, let's see. God, I even have to look it up. That's how new it is. <laughs> I think it's just 3 a.m. Mystery Club. Okay. Well, we'll we'll reiterate. We'll make yeah. sure we reiterate all the all the ways to follow you too at the end. So perfect. Um, but yeah, 3 a.m. Mystery Club. If you are a fan of true true crime and cold case um, stories, this is a great one for you. And now is the chance to get in on the beginning and you know be a trendsetter. And you could tell everyone you listen to them when. So thank um, you so much. Awesome. Okay, so Derek, what are we talking about today? We're talking about one of my favorite parts of the '90s talk shows. Yes, yes. And particularly tabloid talk shows where people were encouraged to air their dirty laundry in front of a live studio audience and millions of viewers watching from home. Um, they had a lot in common, but one thing um, that was the thread that tied them all together was they all had an instantly recognizable and charismatic host. So many good iconic hosts. Did you watch a lot of talk shows in the 90s? I remember having Maury Povich um, on in the background when I would stay homesick from school and I wasn't allowed to watch Jerry Springer. That was the other one that was on there. And I didn't I mean, Rosie O'Donnell, I watched a little bit of. But um, but how about you? What ones did you watch? I watched all of the ones my mom did not want me to watch. <laughs> I, of course, I watched Rosie. I love Rosie, but I watched Ricky Lake. Yes. Sally Jesse Raphael. Yes. Martha Williams. Jenny Jones. Oh, you got them all. Maury Povich. You got them all. 
Yeah, there were some classic ones. I love it. Well, that's awesome. Well, I can't wait to get into the topic. Before we do, I just wanted to make sure all of you 90s kids and 90s kids at heart, make sure you follow us on social media. You can follow me at TTTHpod on Twitter, Talk to the Hand Pod on Instagram. Our website is talktothehandpod.com. And you could also email me at talktothehandpod at gmail.com. Um, I have a ton of sources. I know I usually list the sources here. I'm not going to because there's a bunch of them. So I'm going to put them all in the show notes. So make sure you check that out. Um, some really actually really great insight and good articles by some really um, talented writers. So, all right, let's get into it. I thought we could go through each of the the main shows um, one by one and just kind of tick them off and talk about them. So all let's right. talk about Montel Williams first. Um, okay, Derek, what do you remember about the Montel Williams show? I remember that it was on for a very long time. Yeah, 18 seasons. 18 seasons. Wow. Okay, yeah, ended in 2008. I've noticed that most of these shows that were on throughout the 90s ended in like early to mid 2000s. So yeah. this was actually one of the longest, I think. Yeah. Absolutely. And it was very um, touchy feely. Uh, it focused on heartwarming stories like reconnecting people who had been apart. Um, there were more serious and thought provoking topics. And Montel Williams actually won plenty of industry honors, including a daytime Emmy Award for Outstanding Talk Show Host in 1996. So it really seems like Montel Williams was kind of the most serious and most credible um, of all the talk shows. I think so, especially out of the crop uh, we've, we've started discussing so far. <laughs> he was definitely probably the most credible and serious. The one big notable deterrent from that it really is uh, the Sylvia Brown, because that's where she actually had um, she made a lot of appearances. And if, for those of you who don't know Sylvia Brown, um, she was the most memorable, memorable guest on the show. She was a psychic medium. During her appearances, she would discuss her psychic abilities and then perform readings on the audience. Um, and she would pull people out to communicate with their loved ones who had passed on and people would get super, super emotional. And I have something to say about that, actually. Okay, let's hear it. About Sylvia Brown. So I don't think I've told you this. I was the guest on Montel Williams' show and spoke oh, to Sylvia Brown. You did not? Oh my God. Okay, okay, let's hear this. So this, I was like 19. Remember at the end of all of these talk shows, like when they when the closing credits would come on, the, yeah. the 1-800 number would pop up. If you have a story and you would like to appear as a guest, call this number. Yeah. So I had something weird happen, which is actually too, too, excuse me, too long of a story to explain right now. But I had something unusual happen and I just wanted some clarity. Okay. <laughs> and I was watching Monta Williams and he said, if you would like to ask Sylvia Brown a question, call this number. So I did. 19 years old in West Virginia. And the next thing I know, the producer called me back and I went to New York and I went to go talk to her. Wow. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack with this. I really don't know where to start because I have <laughs> to leave I have to leave out some things. Okay. But in short, they surprised me. The producers of that show surprised me with pictures of a house that I was actually speaking with her about. And the picture had all of these like crazy lights in it. Oh, wow. Like, or, like orbs or something. I don't know. And I was sitting in the audience as a guest. I mean, they brought me there, but I was actually sitting in the audience. It was only Montel and Sylvia that were on the stage. 
Mm-hmm. And my time with her was, God, maybe five or 10 minutes. It couldn't have been more than 10 minutes. And she told me, <laughs> she told me that this house was haunted by a female presence named Eliza. And I did find out that Eliza is the name of my great, great, great grandmother on that side of the family. Oh, wow. And the pictures did have like some crazy spots in them. Not enough to prove anything, obviously. <laughs> and I know she's... um She's made a lot of big, she made a lot of big errors in her later years. Yeah, that's why I think people called her like a fraud because they, she actually worked with like police departments and stuff, I think. Well, I'm not trying to like go down a whole rabbit hole about psychics, yeah. <laughs> but just to say some like my personal thoughts about her with this subject, personally feel she started in the beginning, like I'm talking late 80s, early 90s, as someone that had somewhat of a gift. Yeah. And as she got older, it seemed to me, I don't know. It could have been a mix of maybe like dementia or greed. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe Something both. Like some, maybe both. I don't know. But yeah, I went on Montel and talked to her and it was a weird experience. That's... It aired in, I think, 2005. Wow, that is so cool and interesting. So they actually flew you out to New York. They did. Wow. I got to bring somebody with me and I stayed for like, I think I stayed for two or three days. I think originally it was supposed to be like one night, but I told them if I could find um, accommodations for the extra days, if they would extend my flight back. So they did. So I made it like a little trip. Wow, that's incredible. 19 years old. Yeah, that was um, my whole family thought I was crazy. <laughs> but it was really fun. And I'm glad that I did it. That's so cool. Do you have like the recording anywhere? No, I think some of my family members recorded it like on VHS. Okay. Okay. So it's somewhere. But I don't, I don't have it. I'm sure it's somewhere. Yeah. I've tried to find it on YouTube. I can't. I do remember my aunt in Atlanta, Georgia called my mom and said, I just saw Derek on a like commercial for the upcoming Montel episode. Oh my God. That is so wild. Wow. That's so interesting. I was one of those emotional, weird people crying just because I was so shaken by her even saying anything that registered. Yeah. And you know, I, I certainly I'm with you. I know we could go down a whole rabbit hole. Maybe we'll have you back for this particular episode, but, um, but I, I, I'm with you. I think, I think there was, there is something to, you know, psychic mediums. And I know a lot of people think that, that they're all frauds and con artists, but I think you're right. I think there was something to her, um, skills and abilities, but maybe she just got a little bit too, um, like invested in the spotlight and just her energy and intuition probably got all skewed from being part of that scene. And, you know, so I'm with you on that. Yeah, just the feeling I have. I don't really know if it's true, but that's what I think. <laughs> yeah, very interesting. Very cool. Um, so Montel Williams, uh, I didn't know this. He one of the reasons why he's so much more, in my opinion, so much more credible. And so, you know, top of the talk shows um, was that he was a Marine and later commissioned as a naval officer. And did you know he actually dated Vice President-elect Kamala Harris when she was working at the office of the city attorney for or San Francisco. I okay, didn't. I just discovered this like two weeks ago. In Isn't that crazy? How, okay, first of all, how have we not heard of that before? I know, I know. Well, and you know what was really cool? Um, so people started asking both of them about it, and his response was, so what? Like, he, he even said, I have great respect for Senator Harris, and I have to wonder if the same stories about her dating history would have been written if she were a male candidate. <laughs> Excellent point. Probably yeah. not. That was and Montel Williams. He's just so he's just really classy. Yeah. When I was on the show, I really did not speak with him beyond when I was there. 
The only thing I remember saying to him was as I left, because when the show finished taping, they were pretty much just shoving us out the door to get in cars to go to the airport. And I remember walking across the stage and thanking him. And he said, thank you for being here. But that's really the entire interaction I had with him, except for when we were speaking on camera. Interesting. Okay. He seemed like a, a nice man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he also owns a cannabis company. Um, he was diagnosed with MS a few years ago and, uh, is really big in the, um, you know, decriminalizing and legalization of cannabis. So I thought that was kind of cool. That's amazing. I love that. Yeah. So that's Montel Williams. Um, I think we gave it a pretty good summary there. So let's move on to the Ricky Lake show, which I know is one of your favorites. Personal favorite. One of two, one of two big favorites. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about the Ricky Lake show and what you liked about it. Okay. So the Ricky Lake show, for whatever reason, was the one my mom really didn't want me watching. (laughs) So of course that made the desire to watch it even more so. Of course. I remembered coming home from school and watching it like at like 4 or 4.30 p.m. And I had a friend in elementary and middle school that I would speak with about this. What I loved about the Ricky Lake show was the topics were so sensational, so over the top and ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Like there's one episode I distinctly remember that I've Googled and tried to find and I can't, but I know it existed because I remember it. The topic was basically, why did you write my name on a bathroom wall? (laughs) And it was people coming out to confront someone for writing their phone number on a public bathroom wall because they were receiving heavy breathing (laughs) phone calls. Oh, that sounds like such a Ricky Lake topic. Oh, my God. And I remember when the guests came out, she had a mock like bathroom wall on the stage and they would come out with a Sharpie and write something sassy on it before they sat down. I love that. I love that so much. Yeah. Yeah. She had, she had very sensational, um, topics. She was like the young, cool host. She was 24 years old when she started, which I thought was really 24 24 years old. Um, and she did, she, yeah, she had a lot of like topics. Like I just watched before, before we hopped on zoom. Um, I watched part of the episode of like, um, my mom thinks I'm a freak, but I look super cool. And it's all like the goths (laughs) and punks and stuff. And, um, it was, very good TV. <laughs> and they they love to do those topics back then. They're like, you think I'm this, but blah, blah, yeah. blah. I'm this. That yeah. type of thing. Yeah. And I mean, I, I did read an article or watch a video from Jezebel. There's a lot like there was there's a lot of problematic components to those kinds of episodes. They really, it's a bunch of adults just ganging up on kids um, and telling them they look like trash and kind of, that's very harmful. It's harmful for kids. Um, so there was a lot of of discussion about part of the Ricky Lake show, but it was really popular. It was very sensationalized. Um, it tailored to a younger audience. In the audience of that particular episode, there were a bunch of like punks and goths themselves and a lot of people coming to the kids defense. And so it's, it's a mix, it's a mixed bag. And the audiences of those shows were almost always like 75% homophobic. Yeah. And some of the topics would not be done today, but Ricky Lake specifically was amazing. Like even back then she was always on the right side. Like even when she was doing topics that may offend some people today, Mm -hmm. it was clear whose corner she was in. Yeah. She's always been an ally to the LGBT community. Yeah. Like I remember she had a topic. <laughs> it was called Get a Grip Doll. You're too fat to be a drag queen. Well, and oh it my was, God. yes. And it was plus size drag queens being confronted by their friends, telling them that they were too overweight to be a drag performer. 
So you can imagine lots of um, lots of stereotypical '90s talk show ho- talk show audience member reactions. Yeah, but Ricky was always very supportive to the person and very like coming to their defense. Okay. I mean, she was in, as you know, I'm sure the John Waters movies, and she was a friend of Divine. Ricky's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's really cool. She focused a lot on like raising awareness of women's issues. And she also was very open about her battles with mental health and her loved ones battles with mental health. I remember um, I remember when she started uh, losing her hair and she was like really, really upset about it. And so she just buzzed it all off. So she was really that kind of person where she just kind of took control of the situation. I love her so much and I love her with the buzzed hair. I hate that she went through that on a personal level, but I think she's beautiful. I do too. I do too. And you have a cameo from her. I did. I splurged on a cameo from Ricky Lake and it was worth every penny. I love it. And she, she talks to you for like two minutes on it, three minutes on it. Yeah, it was pretty decent. And she acknowledged, I mean, really, she only spoke about the one thing that I mentioned in my little request, which was comment on your funny talk show titles, but I loved it. It made me so happy. I actually watched it today before Aww. we started doing this. Ricky Lake's pretty cool. She actually tried to get into acting and tried to, she had a return to daytime TV in 2013, but it only lasted one season. Did you watch her? I went to a taping because <gasps> that show was here. In LA? The the second, the, the reboot show was in LA. Okay. How was it? And Okay, I love, love Ricky. So no offense if you hear this, Ricky Lake, but I did not like the new show. Okay, what was wrong? What what was your opinion of it? What was wrong about it? I just missed the sensational Ricky Lake. And I get that she, it's a new her. It was a new era. She wanted to probably be a more credible host. Yeah. Um, But the topic that I attended was like custody agreements. Okay. And there were, there was zero conflict. Like it was literally just, oh, I have the kids on Monday. I have them on the weekend. Okay. And not what I was expecting from a Ricky Lake taping. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. But I remember for the promo. Okay. Do you remember the doorbell? Yeah. The, yeah. Where the people would come out after yes. like and settle whatever dispute was going on. When you heard the ding dong of the yeah. doorbell on the Ricky Lake show, you knew drama was coming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so on the on the trailer that the reboot show made, Ricky was actually wearing a 90s power suit <laughs> and was walking through the halls and she like of her show and she opens up one door and there's a bunch of fighting drag queens. She opens up another door and there's like, I don't even remember, but they even featured the doorbell in the ad for that show. I love but it. That that was just a teaser. That show was not the 90s Ricky Lake. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Well, cool. Well, Ricky Lake, you know, we love Ricky Lake. We were fans. Love you, Ricky. Big, huge fan. Thank you for my cameo. <laughs> yeah. I hope she listens to this. I hope I she hope does. So. I mean, we're best friends, clearly. I'm going to have yeah, to tell clearly. her to listen. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So then the next one is the Rosie O'Donnell show. And that one, um, did you ever watch that one? I loved and love Rosie O'Donnell. Okay. Yeah, that was a 90s phase. So she that one ran for six seasons between 1996 and 2002 and it averaged 5 million viewers. Another one that ended in the early 2000s. Yeah. I'm telling you, that was the death of the daytime talk show. <laughs> it was. It really was. And well, the early 2000s, I mean, stuff was changing in, on TV so much Anyway, it was just then we had like doctor, like Dr. Phil and that those newcomers, the doctors or Dr. Oz or whatever. And it felt different. Yeah. 
it did. I mean, to me, as a big talk show fan, to me, it did. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, Rosie was dubbed the queen of nice by Newsweek because she was just really silly and sunshiny. Um, her her episodes were all about like pop culture and celebrities. And instead of she brought a lot of like big celebrities on, she even had Hillary Clinton on in 1997. But instead of oh, like, wow. well, yeah, and instead of like normal banter with with the um, interviewees, she would basically just uh, ask them questions about her favorite things <laughs> so like she loved all my children she loved Allie McBeal she loved ring dings um decoupage Tom Cruise and Barbara Streisand and it didn't matter what star it was um she would just ask them about those things you are cracking me up because <laughs> I remember her loving all of those things that I had forgotten I forgot that she liked all my children yeah, yeah. And she was obsessed with Barbara Streisand. And Barbara Streisand was the only other guest that had more airtime than Hillary Clinton. And um, Barbara likes being shot from the left side of her face. So uh, Rosie actually flipped her entire set so that Barbara could be seen from her best angle. And she actually did it a few weeks early before Barbara came on so that it didn't so she could hide her true motive of behind the redesign. I thought that was that is hilarious. <laughs> and when when Hillary was on, um, she actually did trivia about the Mary Tyler Moore show. They kissed Oscar the Grouch and they sang a duet of the telephone hour by Bye Bye Birdie. There's no chat about public policy or health care or anything. It was just silly rosy stuff. I love that so much. <laughs> and it was like a safe haven for guests. She didn't grill them on, you know, controversial topics or anything. She just had a good time. Like she was just and her her set looked like a kindergarten class. But didn't wasn't there a bit of drama, though, with um, I know it like didn't usually go this way, but didn't Tom Selleck and Rosie O'Donnell have a thing like on her show, like kind of a disagreement? <gasps> yeah, that was later. Um, that was, it was on the show, right? Yeah, it was on the show. It was about guns. Right. Um, I was thinking it was. Yeah, it was one of the things that kind of ended the show in the early 2000s. I guess he was on there to talk about something and she started grilling him about how he was a spokesperson for the NRA and then starts getting into gun control and just kind of gets really on his case about it. And that's when he he basically was like, I'm not here to talk about that god bless our rosie o'donnell i love her so much yeah yeah, I yeah. Really do. she had some good um she so she like you said she was obsessed with tom cruise and when she had tom cruise on she had a cardboard countdown clock for his appearance as the day approached her thing with tom cruise was hilarious i remember yeah. her talking about him obsessively back then yeah. Yeah. She was just so silly. She just had a knack for just fun improv and, and her show was an overnight hit. Like when it started, it didn't take, it, it just instantly was a big success. The show was fantastic. I just remember it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, she would like shoot like hoosh balls into the audience. She actually had, she would keep uh, ding dongs and chocolate milk under audience chairs. What to surprise them or yeah, like, yeah. or just for it's, a snack. It's a little snack. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So she was um, she was just kind of her her show was just kind of silly and fun. And until, like you said, until the kind of later years where there's a little more controversy. But, um, but yeah, she she just she really changed daytime TV. I mean, and even Oprah changed her content after Rosie appeared. Yeah. Oprah made her stuff a little bit more fun and free and silly, too. Did you watch so. Oprah? I didn't I, I that was a little bit I was too young for Oprah I think that was more like right. did you watch Oprah I love Oprah yeah I love Oprah I, 
I have an Oprah DVD collection, which I don't think I've even watched, but I own the 20th or 25th anniversary DVD set. Oh my, of, of her, of, it's a, just of her talk show? Of her talk show. Oh my God, I love that. I love that. I loved Oprah. But um, but yeah, Ro- Rosie was, we love Rosie. It was such a fun show. I loved watching her show. She's just, you know, she's sassy too. She has a, she has an edge, but she was, she was relatable. Um, she felt like a big sister or, you know, an older Absolutely. cousin. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I really did. I, I liked her energy and her vibe back in the nineties. I thought, I thought she was cool. Me too. And I still do. And I hope she can have a talk show again. Yeah, totally. I'm with you on that. Let's start. A, let's start a petition. I'm ready for that. <laughs> Let's do it. I love it. So then the next show I wanted to talk about was the Maury Povich show. Is that show still on? I think so. Yeah. I think like, how is that the only 90s show that's still in existence? Maury Povich was like a tamer version of of Jerry Springer. Well, Maury Povich morphed into two topics. If you tune into Maury Povich, you are either going to see DNA testing (laughs) or... Lie detector, or maybe yeah. that's the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes both. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sometimes he, both. Like, yeah, he's like the creator of the paternity reveals. He used to have more, though. I remember, like, when the '90s talk shows were still fresh, and it was the '90s. He had a vari- like more of a variety of topics. Yeah, it like, seems like in recent years it's morphed into the DNA testing. Yeah, like he would talk about out of control teens and teen pregnancy, and he would like. Totally. Bring- groups of kids together and, you know, scare them into getting their acts together. And, um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. And there's, what did you think about him personally? Cause I, I read some people that think he had, there was just something innately likable about him. He just, he was able to radiate kindness at a moment's notice and ask pointed questions in the next. What, what did you think about Maury? I liked him. Yeah. I mean, for all the, all the points you said, I don't, I don't have a lot to say about him because I didn't watch his show as much as the other ones. I definitely watched. Yeah. But he seemed very kind and warm. Seems. He's still he's still doing the show, I guess. Yeah. He seems very kind and warm, and he can de- definitely relate to a lot of people. Yeah. I'm with you on that. Yeah. I'm with you on You know what's really interesting? His uh, He had a quote um, where he said, a paternity show has the classic Shakespearean themes. There is love, there is lust, there is betrayal, there is conflict. That is Maury Povich comparing his show to a Shakespearean. I love the Maury Povich show being compared to Shakespeare. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Because you said something about him having wild teens, I have to ask if you watch Sally. I didn't watch Sally, no, because... Sh- she, yeah, I didn't watch her. She kind of scares me a little bit. That's part of the reason I love her. She's kind of, she can be scary. I, she was on The Surreal Life and I feel like she was like mean to the cast. Oh, really? She appeared as like an advisor or something. Okay. okay. I just, like she wasn't a cast member, but she was somebody that the cast had to interact with. I just remember them all thinking she was really mean, but it was because she was like honest with them. Well, she seemed like so like one of your parent your friends like strict disciplinarian parents. Okay, you hit the nail on the head of what I was saying. Yeah. Her show so frequently, like the topic that I think of when I think of Sally Jesse Raphael is Sally send my kid to boot camp. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it was always like some girl that's like 14 years old saying all of these horrible things that no 14-year-old should be doing with the crying mother and then Sally sending the child to a boot camp 
which included lots of footage of the kid like doing push-ups and being yeah. screamed at and crying. I, I didn't really jive with her. Maybe it's just because she scared me. She was on. I looked it up, actually. She was on for such a long time. Her yeah. show ran from like 83 until like 2002 or something. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so she had those big glasses. She still has them, too. Oh, really? <laughs> I read somewhere that she those glasses were kind of a fluke that she just needed glasses one time um, before they were taping. And like an aide ran out to the um, gas station or whatever, the 7-Eleven, and bought like the first pair they could find. And it was those big ones. And like the audience loved it so much that became like her staple. When I mean, you can't think of her without thinking of the glasses. I know. Those big bottle. Yeah. I, actually, yes. I would totally wear those. I've thought about dressing up as Sally for Halloween. Oh, please do. I, I really would. want to just so I can carry a microphone, cue cards, wear a power suit and the and the red glasses. I'm obsessed. Do it. I, I fully support that decision. <laughs> Done. I'm doing it. Perfect. 2021. We're coming for you. Halloween 2021. I'll, I'll come as Ricky Lake. Oh, my God. Oh, perfect. <laughs> That's perfect. OK, we'll both wear the power suits. Yeah, it'll be a thing. All right. And carry Wait. cue cards. Yeah. <laughs> Obsessed. Oh, I love it. Well, so the one thing about I wanted to I wanted to make sure I mentioned was on the Maury Povich show. Maury actually um, said that the show is real. He operated like a newsroom. He had seven production teams. There were um, it, the show was not scripted. There were a little little bit there was some embellishment but for the most part the audience is coached a little bit um and some people actually said that viewers were given alcohol and weed backstage to make them more rambunctious okay in 2001 when i was in high school i was 16 i went on a trip with my theater club to new york city and these people came up to us on the street and asked us if we wanted to be in the audience of Mori povich Okay. What was it like being in that audience? It was really fun because I was a gay kid from West Virginia at 16 in New York City watching a talk show that I had watched with drag queens on it. Like at the time, I thought it was amazing. Yeah. And it was really fun. Like I also just couldn't believe that my school like agreed to go. <laughs> Yeah, that's like, pretty I still good. find that weird. Well, the 90s, you know, I can't explain a lot of the things that my school got away with in the 90s. I mean, to be clear, this wasn't part of the the itinerary of the trip. That this wasn't a selling point to go on the trip. It just so happened that someone came up to us and asked, would you like to be in the audience? And I guess the, the teachers and chaperones said, sure. How but old we were you? Met, I was 16. It was 2001. That's still pretty young for... Yeah. <laughs> Wow. And like I I did used to have a tape of that one because so so many of my classmates were standing up to give their input. Okay. I did not because I was too shy back then. Okay, and that's probably a good thing. Yes. I did not say anything, but <laughs> it was really on the fun. Record. Yeah. And looking back, it was hilarious. Yeah. So did they coach you as part of the audience? With my group, no. I mean, okay. I can't speak about any other group. All I remember was arriving at the studio and like being seated and then the show starting and it took like a really long time that was my first experience with watching a taping okay and that was when I realized wow there's actually like a lot of work that goes into this and you watch this for a long time yeah but I don't remember any coaching I mean okay. beyond the normal playing music and getting everybody hyped up got it that's so interesting wow Wow. Maury Povich. That's one I remember watching a lot when I was a kid. Um, 
All right. So then the last one I wanted to go over is the very famous, probably one of the most well-recognized talk shows from the 90s, The Jerry Springer Show. (laughs) This one was the most outrageous, most ridiculous one of all. These had episodes like I'm pregnant with your man's baby. Mom, I'm marrying your man. Uh, Cheating secrets revealed. (laughs) Mistresses attack. I have too many lovers. (laughs) I have too many lovers and mistresses attack. Yeah, this one debuted in 1991. Um, There are more than 4,000 episodes and over 27 seasons with more than 35,000 guests. Wow, 35,000. Yeah. And it was almost like watching a WWE fight where Jerry was the ringmaster. Jerry was the ringmaster and Steve was the, I don't know wrestling terms, but... (laughs) The, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the intervention. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Totally. Um, and so Jerry would introduce a guest, hear their complaints, and then he would bring on the aggressor and watch as they attacked. Um, sometimes he would shout things from the sidelines like, uh, but you can't say that 12 times fast when someone called her daughter-in-law a big mouth, big mouth bully, badass bitch. He had the funniest comebacks like that. Yeah. I had forgotten until you said that how he always had a sassy little remark. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, sometimes he'd step back while the audience cheered his name like like they would for a WWE wrestler. Um, and then at the end of the episode, Jerry would break it down, uh, revealing like the true lesson that we should have learned. But really, what were we really there for? The fights. Yeah, the watch the chairs being thrown. <laughs> Absolutely. And if a chair was not thrown within a few minutes, you knew it was not a particularly good episode. But they were usually thrown. They were. Yeah, (laughs) totally. Um, It was uh, at first it was a lot tamer. Um, When I read that when it first came out, it was a lot tamer in that the producers, um, there was one episode where it started getting a little wily and actually uh, it broke out into like a riot where the audience actually charged the stage. And um, that's when the producers realized that they got a shit ton more viewers when the drama was dialed up. So that's really what kind of started it. Um, did you know, do you know uh, Jerry Springer's background? I didn't know this until I researched this. Do you know his background? Um, the political stuff? Yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, I knew, like, I, I remember it. I don't know a lot about it, but I remember that he was a mayor or something. Yeah, he was the mayor of Cincinnati before becoming a talk show host. He actually ran for Congress in 1970, but lost. Then he was elected to city council. And then he was mayor in 1977. And then he ran for governor in 1982, but was derailed by a sex scandal. And so that's when he they gave him a show um, eventually later. And it was supposed to be a politically focused daytime talk show. That is crazy. But he decided to go with the sex scandal route. He actually said once that he would never watch his own show. He's not, he doesn't watch it ever. Yeah, he, that's not his style. He wouldn't watch it. He was erudite and politically conscious person. He would he, he he actually I got the impression that he thought he was kind of above his show, but he still does it. He still makes his money. from Interesting, it. Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> um, he also one thing I did hear about Jerry is that he would give his audience a list of 21 possible su- surprises um, so that they could brace themselves because that's I guess that was his form of like a content or a trigger warning or something. I remember there was like a late night 
ad that would come on TV for like a VHS tape of all of the really scandalous Jerry Springer moments that they couldn't show you on the show. Yeah. I just remember thinking like, what could possibly be on this tape? Because that show showed everything. Yeah. Was it on um, regular... No, it was definitely on either basic network TV or regular cable. It wasn't on anything special. I just, I feel like, like when you think of 90s talk shows, that's probably one of the big ones. And also because it's been parodied so much, like in Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me in 1999, they did a whole, I mean, Jerry Springer was in that himself. <laughs> he, uh, he makes a cameo himself and he actually tried to act too, Jerry Springer. And there was a Jerry Springer movie. I know. I heard about that. Did you see Have you, have you ever see, seen it? I haven't seen yes, it. Yes. I, I saw it when it was new because that was like when it came out, it was in my like the heyday of my talk show obsession. And I mean, it was about a group of people that were in like dysfunctional relationships and fighting that went on the Jerry Springer show. Oh, my gosh. That, I feel like we need to watch that. When COVID's over, you want to come over and like we'll open a bottle of wine and watch this movie? Absolutely. I want to do that. <laughs> that sounds. I, I haven't even thought about that movie in years. I actually forgot about it. <laughs> we totally have to watch it. Yeah. So it was a he, he was a host named Jerry. Like his his character's name was also Jerry. Right. Yeah. yeah the movie's called Ringmaster. Appropriately. Ringmaster. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Interesting. I remember there were a group of people on a plane and they were singing a song because they were really excited about going to the Jerry Springer show. For some reason, I remember that really clearly. <laughs> That's so wonderful. I really need to see this movie. <laughs> and this is from the movie was in 1998. So, you know, it's got all those good late 90s references in them. Definitely. <laughs> oh, so that's the Jerry Springer show. And those were the big, the big heavy hitters. Um, we have a few honorable mentions, um, just like Derek said, the Sally Jesse Raphael show, um, Oprah Winfrey, Queen Latifah. You said you watched the Jenny Jones show, too. What what uh, what was it about the Jenny Jones show that you really liked? I mean, it was just like all of the other ones. Yeah. It was very sensational. It was the same type of thing. She had the same basic um, the same basic themes as all of, as all of the other talk shows. But do you remember the murder? Yeah, I have. Yeah, that's so crazy that I was just going to mention that. What, so tell our 90s kids what what that story is. So there I don't remember any of the names of the people, unfortunately, but there was a, she had a topic. The Jenny Jones show had a topic where people were revealing secret crushes. And allegedly, she told the guests before the show Anyone could say they have a crush on you, male, female. Um, it could be anyone like you. You don't know who this is going to be. Just prepare yourself. So allegedly everyone knew this. So this man comes on the show, a gay man, and tells his straight male friend that he has a crush on him and he wants to go out with him and that he thinks he's hot. Yeah. I guess two or three days after the show aired, the straight man confronted him and shot him. I think he shot him. I know he, he killed him. Yeah, yeah. I think it, I think it was a shooting. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was really odd. Like it kind of tanked her show. Actually, like yeah, there were it did. she was in court over it. The the family of the victim were blaming her and her show, saying that it exploited um, exploited emotions and it, it humiliated that man on TV, and he wasn't emotionally equipped or prepared to have to face such a personal thing in front of so many people yeah but from what i understand um the jenny jones show alleges that all of their guests were told 
exactly what it was going to be and that they were not exploiting anyone. Yeah, she said. I mean, clearly there was some expectation because it was a show, but yeah. That was, yeah, that was my take. It was really crazy. Yeah. And she, I know she got in some hot water too, because she stood by it while she was, while the family sued her and there was all of that controversy. I think what really tanked her was that she didn't apologize or back down until it was way too late. She just stood by it. Like you said, she just was like, no, they know what they're signing up for. And she just had no empathy, no compassion. She was too wrapped up in her brand and keeping her show running. And yeah, everyone was like, "Hmm, I don't know about that lady. I think, I think they're onto something here. If you haven't watched and you're interested in this story, there's actually a show on Netflix, which um, goes into this case. Oh, really? Yeah, it's called Trial by Media. Okay. And the first episode is about the Jenny Jones scandal. Okay. All right. I'm going to be checking that out for sure. That's going to be on my uh, COVID quarantine watch list. Love it. So did you ever see the, the Queen Latifah show? You know, I didn't really see her show as much. I I actually forgot that she had a show. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I completely forgot. Yeah. I think yeah, that was, was when I was like not watching TV as much. Maybe it. like it was a little later, right? Yeah, yeah. It was later. It's like later nineties. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I remember liking it. Yeah, I like Queen Latifah. I love. I, I, I love Queen love Latifah. Her energy is just fantastic. So she seems like a great person. Oh yeah, totally. Well, that's it. That's all I had for, for those were the, the big shows, the big, um, the, the, the big hosts, all of the, you know, all of the big stuff from the nineties. We remember about talk shows and staying home from school while we were sick. And I just miss all things nineties. And I know the moment we disconnect, I'm going to be looking up all the YouTube clips. Yes. That's what I did before we got on, on zoom just now. I love it. I, I actually saw, um, I don't remember what it's called, but I read that there's actually a streaming service that is all daytime focused and it has episodes of The Sally Show. Oh my God, really? Yes, but I don't remember what it's called. I need to look for that. When you find it, let me know. Definitely will. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so, so out of all of the ones we talked about, Derek, what would you say is your favorite? Ricky. Ricky. Okay. And if you could be a guest, well, you've been a guest on one, but if you could be like a guest in the seat... Of one would it be would it be Ricky too? Probably not because that would mean I would be there for something crazy. <laughs> so I think for in the seat it would have to be Oprah or Rosie. Okay, okay, I was gonna say Rosie. Yeah, actually, those are the those would be my two also. Okay, yeah, definitely one of those. I get it. I love it. I I would you know I think it'd be nice to be kind of like in the seat for Montel Williams when he was because he talked a lot about you know societal issues and activism and things like that. So I think that'd be interesting too. Um, he's still, you know, he doesn't have a talk show, but he's still very much active in the public sphere. So I think that'd be cool too. Hopefully we'll see a resurgence of our nineties talk show. So I hope so. Totally. Forever in our hearts. Yeah. Forever, forever, forever. Well, thank you so much, Derek. Thanks for joining us. Um, thank you everyone for listening. How can our nineties kids find you again? And, uh, is there anything you want to plug and uh, make sure they check out? So my personal Instagram is Derek Dalton, D E R R I C Dalton, D A L T O N. And my podcast, the 3am mystery club, Instagram is three, the number three, AM club pod, P-O-D. We're also on Twitter and Facebook, but I just know the Instagram right now. We will put all of the handles um, for the three and mystery club 
podcast in the show notes so you can follow them. Make sure you follow along um, because when they are big and um, popular, you can say you followed them from the beginning. So I think that's pretty cool. And maybe we'll do the Jenny Jones scandal one day. Yeah. Oh, we totally will. We'll definitely have Derek back. Um, so yeah. So thanks, Derek. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sarah. And uh, please make sure you're following us on social media, Pod on Twitter, Talk to the Hand Pod on Instagram. Our website is talktothehandpod.com and um, you can reach me at talktothehandpod at gmail.com. And um, thank you again for listening. Uh, please be safe, socially distance, wear a mask and um, join us next week. We have a fantastic Christmas episode um, on deck. So make sure you tune into that. And until then, be excellent to each other. Thanks everyone. Have a great week. Week.